Good morning, everyone. As Ngozi has already introduced me, um, I don't really need to say that I'm Sue, but yeah, my name's Sue. I'm part of the leadership team here at Jubilee. And today, I am going to be continuing our series on kingdom living. It's been a fantastic series. And today, um, I am looking at the kingdom and fasting. And already, I'm sure some of you who are watching at home are thinking, oh, no. Not for me. I'll go and put the kettle on, make a coffee, maybe see if there's any biscuits left. Sorry if you're here in the building, you haven't got that option. But a lot of people, the whole topic of fasting, you sort of think, oh no, not for me. But can I ask that you give me the next 20 minutes and I want to explain what biblical fasting is. And it might be that you've never undertaken a fast in your life. It might be that you regularly fast or you've heard about it, but you've never actually done it. Um, wherever you are across that, that range today, I want to say, I believe there's something for each one of you that I want to look at. And I say biblical fasting because in the 21st century, fasting is done for a range of lifestyle reasons. Some people fast as part of a weight loss program. Some people do it to detox and for other health reasons as well. But fasting is also practiced in all the main world religions. But as children of the king, we need to know what kingdom fasting is about, what the Bible tells us, and not simply what our culture says. So the passage that we're looking at today is in Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. It will come up on the screens, and it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So this teaching comes quite early on in Jesus' ministry. He'd been um, sharing the good news, he'd been healing the sick, and then it tells us in Matthew that he went up on a mountainside and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And as he spoke, more and more people were gathering. So by the time we get to this passage, he would have been speaking primarily to his disciples, to his followers, but then others would have been listening too. Some some of them eagerly seeking this kingdom that he was talking about. Others who were angry with the things that he was saying and with the authority that he showed. And others were simply curious. But today, I want to look at who can fast, how we are to fast, and what happens as we fast based on this teaching that Jesus brought. So he starts off these verses by saying, when you fast. We see fasting practiced throughout the whole Bible. It started when God spoke to Moses and instructed him to set aside a day of atonement, um, a day of rest, and a day of thankfulness to God for the way he had made forgiveness possible for his people through the, the shedding of animal sacrifices. This was what the Jewish law required. 
It was a day of remembering, a day of thankfulness, a, a day of being grateful to God for what he had done. And then in addition, in the Old Testament, fasting was practiced to show mourning, to show humility before God, or to show repentance. People fasted to prevent disasters such as war, or famine, or death. People fasted to inquire of God and to seek his face. So by the time Jesus was speaking, fasting was a normal part of their culture. However, the religious leaders had added to what God had spoken to Moses and had said, you must fast on this day for this reason, and you've got to fast on that day for that reason. And fasting had moved from being rightly done for God to being done because man demanded it, man demanded it and man wanted other people to see what was going on. In fact, it had become so much about externals that God spoke through the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 7 and said, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? That's a bit of an ouch moment, isn't it? For 70 years, the fasting hadn't quite been right. Jesus didn't enter into a discussion about whether fasting was right. Jesus himself demonstrated it when he fasted for 40 days and nights in the wilderness before he started his public ministry. Jesus assumed that people were fasting, but here he restates what fasting is about. Jesus was speaking to his followers and to the normal people in the crowds around him. He wasn't saying when you fast to the religious leaders or to the spiritual giants. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. We've all done wrong. We all need God's forgiveness and his grace. And as Christians, as children of the king, we're all on an equal playing field before God. Therefore, thinking that you're maybe not spiritual enough to fast or thinking, oh, no, it's just, it's just something that the leaders do, that isn't right. Fasting is something that God has given to all of us as a way to worship him. So how do we fast? Biblical fasting is about fasting from food. Fasting from social media or your favorite TV stream or giving up chocolate for Lent, these can all be good disciplines, but I don't believe these are the essence of what Jesus is saying here. You may be saying, yeah, but Sue, these things didn't exist in Jesus' day. There wasn't the internet, there wasn't social media. Okay, there wasn't, but there were sporting events, there were concerts, there were celebrities, there were political debates going on. They had weddings and parties, and in fact, they had an awful lot more going on at that time than we've had in this last year through lockdown. All of these things could have distracted Jesus' followers from God, but they didn't fast from them. As we see fasting practiced throughout the Bible, people fasted from food. They made that sacrifice. Fasting from other things or from our distractions is something that has gradually crept into our affluent Western culture where food is so available to us. 
Biblical fasting is going without food, the substance that is essential for our existence, not simply doing without a distraction. Do you know, God has created the food that we enjoy. He's created the amazing smells and the sounds as it's cooking. He's given us the, the, the senses to be able to smell it and taste it and see it, see all those different colors that he, he's given us in our food. God knows that food is good, and he knows that we need it. But he also knows that true satisfaction and lasting joy can only be found in him him because that is what we were created for. Fasting is saying, God, I am desperate for you. I desire you more than anything. You are more important to me even than the food that I need today. Some of you may be thinking, yeah, but I can't fast from food because of my medical condition. It would be dangerous. And if that is the case, then please don't put yourself at any risk. Because fasting, as with giving, as with prayer, it is about our heart before God. And it might be that God is asking you to let go of something else. But I know somebody in our church who is a diabetic, and when they fast, they actually don't not eat, because that would be dangerous, but they restrict themselves to a certain type of food. They're denying themselves, but they are keeping themselves safe. And this type of fasting is, is practiced by other people, maybe people who need medication to take each day, and they have to have it with food. Other conditions require a regular intake, maybe if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, um, but people are still able to deny themselves, as my friend who's a diabetic did, by saying, okay, God, I'm just going to eat from a very basic type of food, maybe just having bread or toast through the day, maybe just having soup or other liquids. I've actually got a friend who is an insulin-dependent diabetic who went to their diabetic nurse and said, I'm a Christian and I want to fast. Can you help me? And the diabetic nurse worked with them to adjust their insulin dose so that they were able to fast safely, fast under the medical guidance, but they could still make that sacrifice to God. And I don't say these things to tell you what you should or you shouldn't do, but rather emphasize that there is no one way to fast from food, and it is possible for the majority of people. However, it is essential that you take care of yourself and that you seek medical guidance if you've got any concerns. I would advise, too, that if you've ever had an eating disorder or if you've ever struggled in the past with that, to speak to a leader here or a trusted friend who is a Christian just to talk through some of these issues because, again, I wouldn't want anyone to come to harm from what I am saying today. So going back into the passage. Jesus said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus spoke about the hypocrites both in the earlier section on prayer and again here now. And we tend to think of hypocrites as being people who say things but do another. But the word hypocrite originally came from Greek 
actors in the amphitheatres, and they would be cast to play a certain role for, um, for the duration of that play. And they would have been given a mask to wear as they acted. It might have been an angry mask. It might have been a happy mask. It might have been a mask that they put on that showed that they were mourning. And Jesus here is saying, don't be like actors when you fast. Don't pretend to be someone that you're not. Some Pharisees would even apply cosmetics to their faces. They were the religious leaders, and they would put makeup on to make them look like death because they wanted people to see them and think, wow, isn't this person so spiritual? Look at what they're doing. They actually would go into the marketplaces on Jewish fast days, so that they were guaranteed that the maximum number of people would see them. Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Don't do this to draw attention to yourselves. Fasting is a matter of your heart before God. Our society promotes externals. It promotes news and shares and photos and lives lived publicly for everyone to see and comment on and repost and share. Fasting does the opposite. Most of the world's religions focus on outward acts. They teach that what we do on the outside, how you live, how you conform publicly, changes who you are on the inside. But Christianity is an inside-out gift from God. It is God who transforms our lives. It is God who can purify us and set us free on the inside. And that inner change leads to an outward change, not the other way around. Jesus is saying, when you fast, don't draw attention to it. Brush your hair, put makeup on if that's what you'd normally do. Go about your life as you normally would. And it's okay to talk about fasting. It isn't this great taboo subject in the church. We need to talk about it, to learn from others, to encourage one another, to challenge one another too. A few weeks ago, I was chatting to a friend who comes from a country in Africa, and she was telling me that where she grew up, as they fasted, if it was a day of fasting, the whole family would come together at, um, at intervals through the day, and they would stop what they were doing. They would read the Bible together. They would pray together. They would sing worship together, and then they would carry on. And I thought, you know, that is so beautiful. That is the essence of what, what fasting can be. Sometimes in our busy lives, fasting is just one of those things we carry on, don't we? And the only difference is that we actually don't sit down and eat a meal. But it is good to be able to combine fasting with reading our Bible, maybe to singing out our worship to God, maybe praying with others as well. It keeps our focus on God, not simply on the fact that we're feeling hungry. You could maybe go for a walk if, if you're in employment and you've, you've just got that half hour at your lunch break. You could maybe take that time on a day of fast to say, okay, God, I'm giving this half hour to you. I'm giving this half hour to be in your presence. Fasting isn't simply about what we don't do, but about what we do do as well. So what happens as we fast? Jesus said, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
It's the third time that Jesus uses this phrase in Matthew chapter 6. He used it when speaking about giving, about praying, and about fasting. Jesus isn't speaking about us earning a reward from God. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 state, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Do you know, nothing we have done or ever can do will affect how much God loves us and wants us. Nothing at all. So if you finish listening to this today and you go away and you never fast in your life, that doesn't affect how much God loves you. I hope you don't decide that, but fasting doesn't affect um, how much God wants us, how much God hears us. I believe Jesus showed us something more of our reward in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, as he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. As we long for God, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we are showing a longing for God, a desire for things to be the way God intended them to be. And as God fills us, He rewards us with his presence. He gives us that privilege of knowing more of him. I believe this is also what happens as we fast. We're saying to God, for this period of time, God, you are more important to me than the food I put in my mouth. I am hungry, but my desire is more for Jesus, the bread of life, than what is going to satisfy me in the short term. And as we do so, God fills us and we gain more of the knowledge of him, of his glory, of his goodness, of his love for us. And yet, even as we do so, we only gain a tiny glimpse of God's presence, of what we will see in eternity when we meet with him face to face. Phil Moore, an author and leader of a church in London, wrote about fasting, saying, We refuse to dine on what this world has to offer in order to feast on what heaven has to offer instead. God is offering us a feast as we pursue him, as we seek his presence. We have a God who loves to answer our prayers. He tells us to call on him and he will answer to ask and it will be given to us to seek and we will find. Does fasting then make God more likely to answer our prayers? Is it like an insurance we pray and fast just to hope it works? We've got a God who is gracious and loving. And as it says in 1 John 3, he lavishes that love upon us. So as we pray and fast, we have a renewed intimacy with God. We align ourselves with him. We say, I'm hungering and thirsting for you, God, in this broken and sinful world. And God says, I'm with you. He may give us added clarity as we pray. He may give us the physical strength to press on in our battles. He may give us the added intensity. He may give us insight into what he's doing or give us prophetic um, prophetic knowledge of what he is saying in a given situation. But we need to seek God, the giver, and not the gifts. 
In Isaiah 58, God is speaking through Isaiah about true fasting. Dan mentioned this passage a couple of weeks ago, but I want to look at it again because I believe it is so crucial. And the people were complaining to God that he hadn't noticed their fasting. And so God replies to them, initially criticizing their behavior and how they ill-treat others while they fast, but also pointing out that their fasting, like Jesus was saying, was simply for show. God then says to them in verse 6, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will shine forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. Fasting reflects our heart response to God. But it doesn't simply end there. As we fast and as our hearts are touched by God's presence, it will have an outward effect too. As the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives, as we are gaining that greater in intimacy with God through the sacrifice that we're making, it will affect how we live. It will affect how we respond to those around us, in our families, in our city, maybe around our work colleagues and our friends. It will cause us to stand up for those less fortunate than ourselves. It will cause us to speak out on behalf of the poor and the marginalized. It will affect how we make Jesus known in our city. It will affect what we do with our time, and it may even affect where we live as God calls us to different cities and to different countries. It comes with a promise as well. God says, you will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If the band could come up, please. We don't fast for our benefit. We don't fast for what we can get out of it or from what we can gain. We don't fast to twist God's arm or to make him love us more. We fast and as, a, as an act of worship to God. And as we do so, he graciously draws near to us and says, here am I. John Wesley, a preacher and founder of the Methodist revival in our country, said, Let fasting be done unto the Lord, with one eye singly fixed upon him. Let our intention herein be this, and this alone, to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Let us pray. Father God, I want to ask that for each one of us who has listened this morning, that you would put in us, Father God, an increased hunger for you, an increased longing for you. Father, I ask 
that for those of us who maybe have tried fasting in the past and have just found it's been a heavy burden, for those of us who've done it simply because we felt that we ought to, because we felt it was what is expecting of us. Father, I want to pray today that you will release us from that. You will release us from what we ought to do, and instead you will release us into a place of an increased longing for you, an increased desire for you. And Father, I pray as we do this, you will draw close to us, that you will change us, that you will change us on the inside, and that will affect what we do and how we, li how we live our lives for you, Lord God. For your glory. Amen.